Hello, and welcome to Silk Road Rising's In Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to the lively exchange of ideas and experiences. Silk Road Rising is a community-centered, art-making, and art-service organization rooted in Asian, Middle Eastern, and Muslim experiences. Through live theater, digital media, and arts education, we challenge disinformation, cultivate new narratives, and promote a culture of continuous learning. I'm your host, Jamil Corey, co-founder and co-executive artistic director of Silk Road Rising. On this episode of In Dialogue, I'm continuing the conversation with my dear friend, colleague, and collaborator, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar, Associate Professor of Theater Arts at the University of Oregon. This is the fifth of nine conversations I'm having with Malik exploring the Arab American and Middle Eastern American theater movements. In our previous episode, we examined the period from the attacks of September 11, 2001 up to the present. And in this episode, we're grappling with the question, what is the difference between Arab American and Middle Eastern American? This conversation was recorded on August 22, 2019. Welcome, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar. Let's start with the term Middle East. As we, as we know, um, that the Middle East is a colonial term. Right. It is the, the East as viewed from the West, uh, and more specifically from the British Empire, uh, so, or, or the French under Napoleon. Um, the fact that there was a Middle East and a Far East was always in relation to Europe. And so the term itself has become terribly contested because on the one hand, it is a term that is the term to use for the region. However, many of us feel very conflicted because it's still a very colonialist term. So the idea of being called a Middle Easterner or Middle Eastern American, of course, comes with all of the baggage of colonialism. So the question becomes, do we stick to this term that is the nomenclature of our time, or do we throw that term overboard completely and start over? Well, so far- Can middle we reclaim it somehow? Yeah, can, can we, we make it our own? Exactly, exactly. And I, I would say that is probably the better strategy because so much of the naming that is done in the Middle East is uh, misnaming, let's be quite honest. What about Southwest Asia and North Africa, or West Asia and North Africa? Exactly. Well, then we get into MENA, Middle East, North Africa, uh, and also SWANSA. Uh, uh, these terms become very um, difficult ways to try to encapsulate massive amounts of territory and people right. under one umbrella. So I think what the Middle Eastern community has said is, okay, if we are Middle Easterners, what does that mean? And then where does that border end? And some people will say it goes as far as Afghanistan um, and South Asia. Others will say, no, it's very much about staying within sort of Iran and what we generally think of the Levantine area, the Gulf. Some people add North Africa, but the North Africans, of course, have a great Berber population, and so perhaps right. they don't want to be uh, put into that uh, category as well. So I think that this is, this is where we're really getting into semantical difficulties. So we are certainly multi-ethnic, multicultural, Absolutely. multilingual. Uh, we are Arabs, we are Turks, we are Persians, we are Israelis, we are Sephardic and Mizrahi Jews, we are Assyrians and Armenians and Chaldeans and Berbers uh, and, and the Copts of Egypt. Uh, so it is a complicated 
uh, umbrella. Absolutely. Sunni, Shia, Twelvers, Baha'i, Druze, um, it goes on and on. I mean, that, yeah. and I think that that mosaic is so rich and so complex. And sadly, from our point of view, in, especially in the United States, I think many times we think of this place as one monolithic entity with one monolithic peoples in it, and that nothing could be further than the truth. And we also tend to think of Christians and Jews as somehow Western peoples, Western traditions. And certainly there are Western Christians and there are Western Jews. But the origins of the three monotheistic faiths uh, reside within the Middle East. Uh, so we are all somehow attached to Middle Eastern traditions, or, or at least so many of us are. Yeah. Uh, Arab American becomes a different arena. That's right. Uh, and the definition of Arab tends to be quite loose and, and broad, and that is someone from essentially an Arabic-speaking country or an Arabic-speaking community. Uh, we, we tend to def define the Arab world geography, uh, along, uh, geographically rather, along the lines of the, the League of Arab States. Uh, which stretches from you know Morocco and Mauritania at the at the far western end uh, to Iraq and the Arabian Peninsula, uh, and uh, you know depending on who you speak to, it also includes parts of East Africa. Exactly. Uh, so, are we Arab Americans? Yeah. Are we Middle Eastern Americans? Well, of course, the problem with Arab American is that there are people in these Arab, predominantly Arab-speaking countries, Arabic-speaking countries, that do not believe that they descend from an Arab heritage. So, for instance, in Lebanon, let's talk about that specifically, the uh, Christian Arabs that, that reside along the coast of Lebanon uh, consider themselves Phoenician and not Arab. Well, this becomes... Some a, of them. Some of them, yeah, yeah to be fair, yeah. some of them. And, and again, not everyone in, on the other side feels that they're Arab either. Right. So, so the question becomes now, how do, we, how do we then define this as an Arab nation? Is that not in and of itself a kind of colonialist enterprise um, by the conquest of the Arabs during the, the, those centuries? Um, so what now do we do with that particular conundrum? I have a, a friend who is Maronite Christian who said, no, I'm Levantine. I'm not, sure. I don't consider myself Lebanese and I don't consider myself Arab. I don't consider myself Phoenician. I consider myself Levantine because I share characteristics with Palestinians, Jordanians, um, uh, people of the entire Levantine region. Others will very strictly say, no, we are Phoenician. Uh, we have no tie to the Arabs. That's a completely different uh, set of peoples. Um, and then, of course, the Arabs who say, well, no, actually, you are Arab because you speak Arabic. You have Arabic traditions. Therefore, you're Arab. So even within the countries of origin, we're finding a great disagreement in the idea of being Arab. Um, and now when we say Arab-American, that also leads to some more complications because of the conflation of Arab and Islamic, which of course right. is problematic because not all Arabs are, are Islamic. And, and, and most Arab-Americans are not. Exactly. And when we look at the earliest waves or the earlier waves, uh, those were overwhelmingly Christian Absolutely. waves of, of migration from Lebanon, from Syria, from, from Palestine, for the, for the most part. Uh, not entirely, of course. Um, we are Arabicized, arguably. We, are, we were brought into uh, through any set of historical circumstances uh, into an Arab cultural fold. And we somehow, many of us, identify with 
what may be called Arab civilization. Sure. Uh, and, and of course, once again, a linguistic tradition and a cultural tradition and, and so forth. Uh, and the emergence in the 20th century of a, of a secular Arabism, an Arab identity that was somehow disentangled from, from religiosity. And I think that's also impacted uh, Arab-American identity formation. So, so for, for, for people like the two of us, mm -hmm. uh, your, both of your parents are from Lebanon and, and my father was from Syria. And in all three cases, I, I'm going to well, I'm going to assume they all identified as Arab. That's right. Uh, That's and right. and certainly proudly Arab, That's you know, right. and uh, and as as part of that sweeping, you know, civilizational um, uh, story, uh, uh, we are as the American-born uh, children, uh, our. Americanness and our Arabness is somehow different from that of our immigrant parents. Uh, and as artists and as activists and as thinkers, uh, we are forever engaged, I would argue, in uh, a project of redefining Absolutely. what that means and, and perhaps fine-tuning or honing. Uh, what that means, but we are also Middle Eastern Americans. That's right. That's right. And and we have such an amazing Middle Eastern community that hails from all of these different countries. And also, it it strikes me as uh, a difficult negotiation as well when we start talking about the fact that, for instance, Iranians do not consider uh, are not Arabs. I mean, they're they're they are Persian. And so now we have the Persian Arab. Uh, dichotomy that, that we have to contend with. Uh, I remember a country song coming out several years ago where the, the singer says, I don't know the difference between Iraq and Iran. Right. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I often want to say, well, I think you need to Google that because everyone should know the difference between Iraq and Iran, seeing as how we're deeply uh, uh, involved in both countries uh, as, US, as U.S. foreign policy. But um, I think what it speaks to is the fact that, again, these people in the minds of some are just one people. And they're absolutely not one people. They fought war wars over centuries uh, defining themselves against the other. So, uh, so I think that these, are the, the, these particularities must be uh, thought of very deeply, including this, the Sunni-Shia rift that, that is very much a part of what we're seeing in modern geopolitical conflict right now in the, in the Middle East. Right. Let's not forget uh, other groups like the Turks, uh, the, the Jews who, again, some are Ashkenazi descent, some are Mizrahi or Sephardic. I mean, Yemeni, uh, we, there's so much complexity in that area. And again, I think the difficulty is that we often tar it all with the same brush. And are you a, a Turk? Are you Kurdish? Are you of Greek ancestry? Are you of Armenian ancestry Precise. in the Iranian context? Once again, are you Turkish? Are you Aziri? Are you Baluch? Are you, you know, so these, yeah. these questions, the, the, the desire or the impulse or the need that we so often have to create these neat boxes. Exactly. Uh, so that we somehow fully understand or we can somehow fully grasp um, is, is undermined in a way <laughs> by the reality on the ground, That's you know, which is, which is complex and also in many cases fluid. Um, and, and tragic in others. I yeah, mean, what we saw absolutely. with the rise of the Islamic State was a desire oh to God. completely re-engineer the Middle East, to break down the, the borders that were imposed by France and Britain and Sykes-Picot Agreement to create this sort of Islamic State. But at what cost? The driving away and the, the slaughter of, of thousands, if not 
tens of thousands of people. Assyrians, uh, Yazidis, you know, so a sort of re religious cleansing, ethnic cleansing. Absolutely. And, and that, that project is very much a part of reshaping the Middle East. We right. talked about the, the notion of creating the Shia corridor from Iran to contemporary Lebanon. Right. Uh, you know, all of these movements are happening to reimagine the Middle East uh, against the colonial past that had been imposed upon it. And re-engineer demographics and, and landscapes and borders and, and so forth. Exactly. Uh, as theater artists, uh, who are operating for the most part in this country, not, not entirely, and sure. many of us understand ourselves in a very sort of transnational uh, context. Um, we are also afforded a certain luxury uh, to remove ourselves from some of the rivalries or some of the enmity that we somehow inherited. Uh, and that our uh, immigrant parents and grandparents and, uh, and so forth brought with them. And, and I think this is one of the most exciting components of our theater movements. Uh, and particularly with this, this rubric of Middle Eastern American, which is almost a new identity politic that we're, we're part of creating. Sure. Uh, if we are told that Turks and Arabs and Arabs and Persians and uh, you know, Christians and Muslims and Sunni and Shia and, and Berbers and Arabs, and so, if, if we're supposed to somehow hate each other or distrust each other or, um, you know, defend ourselves uh, from each other, uh, we are looking at creating a context in which we learn from each other, exactly. in which we share with each other, sure. uh, in which we can grow together. And I think that that is one of the most beautiful and powerful and radical aspects of a Middle Eastern American theater community. I, th I think whenever we can unite Arabs, that is quite a feat. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think that so many of us, you know, whether we speak Arabic or stumble and struggle through speaking Arabic or are fluent Arabic speakers, we do have an attachment. And we do have, um, there, there's sort of a recognition uh, that we, we, we belong in this fold. Um, but we are also part of a region that includes people who speak many other languages um, and with whom we share many cultural traits and, and values and, and belief systems. Well, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, living in Eugene, Oregon, there's a great Middle Eastern community there. Uh, and we've been embraced by um, many people from Iran uh, who some are Shia, some are Zur, uh, some are Baha'i. Um, we've been embraced by our Egyptian friends. Uh, we've been embraced by other friends from uh, Palestinian friends. It is amazing how much culture we share you know, as, as different as we are, speaking different languages and having different traditions, uh, we yet we share so many uh, cultural traditions. And I think the idea of Middle Eastern American can be something that enfolds all of these people because we all do share a kind of history that does unite us in many ways. And I think that there's a commonality there that unfortunately we can't seem to find overseas. So why don't we try to find it here in, in the United States or in North America? Now, there are some people who would suggest that uh, Israel is not part of the Middle East or Israel should not or Israelis should not be part of the Middle Eastern American community. Uh, and, and that is, of course, a it is a, a, a very difficult and um, uh, contentious conversation. And, and I th and it's something that we have talked about. 
And, um, uh, and, and I, I just want to say, and, you know, agree, disagree, <clears throat> you know, for me, Israel's part of the part of the Middle East because it's part of the Middle East. Exactly. Uh, you know, it is it is quite clearly there. Almost half of Israeli Jews have some sort of Middle Eastern or North African heritage. Yeah. Uh, I have made a point over the years when working with Israeli or Israeli American uh, artists or audience members of asking them, "Do you consider yourself Middle Eastern?" And I have yet to encounter someone who doesn't say yes, right. uh, who doesn't say, actually, I consider myself very much a part of <laughs> exactly. the Middle East. So I, I would just be curious to hear, to hear your thoughts. Well, we have to remember the, the Jewish population in historic Palestine had been there as long as anyone else. I mean, that, that those, those uh, they're, they're often called Arab Jews in a very strange way. Yeah. Uh, what a strange contradiction in terms. But what they mean is that the Jews of Palestine actually ate the same foods, dressed the same way, had the same kind of cultural traditions in many ways, of course, retaining their Jewishness, but of course, within this other context. Um, with the establishment of the State of Israel and the inclusion of other Jews from around the world, Ashkenazi Jews, African Jews, etc., things did change demographically, but ultimately it is part of the Middle East and it is a part of the mosaic of the Middle East. I think the unfortunate political situation that is the Arab-Israeli conflict or the Palestinian-Israeli conflict has really muddied those waters and created the kind of environment where someone might say, no, it is not part of the Middle East, but it's undeniably there on the map. You've had generations born there, uh, Israelis born there. So uh, that, that for me is a kind of um, unfortunate argument that I feel actually holds us back from moving forward in the, the peace process, not actually moves us forward that way. I, I actually think that a component, a piece of attaining justice for Palestinians, and obviously justice for Palestinians uh, is, is, is an important theme within the work of so many Arab American and Middle Eastern American theater artists and, and a strong commitment of ours. I think a part of that is Israel joining the Levant. I think part of that is Israelis uh, becoming or being seen as a Levantine people. I know all of this is easier said than done, and I know that there are gonna be plenty of people who disagree with us. But as theater artists, my hope is that we can contribute uh, to um, you know, what one might call a solution. I don't think we're gonna offer the solution. I don't know that we're gonna be the solution, but I think we can contribute. Uh, and that is, that is helping shift some narratives. Well, a mutual friend of ours, Moti Lerner, the great Israeli play, yeah. playwright, you know, he is as much a fighter for civil rights in Israel and for Palestinian rights as pretty much anyone else. Uh, I, you know, I think that, again, unfortunately, some uh, people in the Middle Eastern community look at Israel as a monolith and believe that all Israelis might be voting the same way thinking the same way, when in truth that's not correct at all. I mean, uh, just as the United States has a kind of foreign policy that's not shared uh, by the populace of the U.S. all the time, similarly, uh, Israel has a situation where not all of the citizens of Israel agree with the actions that are being taken against the Palestinians. And so I think that that kind of complex thinking needs to come into the discussion, including the fact that you have the Baha'i that have uh, a center in Israel. You have Druze that serve uh, in the Israeli government and army. You have an Armenian quarter that's quite vibrant in, in uh, Israel. You know, you have 
you have multiple groups within Israel that are not Israeli. Um, I, I worry about things like the nation state law that was recently passed Absolutely. in Israel. Absolutely. I worry about their, the, the different um, uh, actions that they're taking against artists, saying that you won't receive funding if you're doing anti-Israeli work, which I find to be uh, un unbelievable to me. If you criticize the state through art, I, I don't see why that should uh, preclude you from having funding. But you know, these are the kinds of things I think that are actually moving against a sort of holistic inclusion of Israel into the Middle Eastern neighborhood, if you will. No doubt, no doubt. And I, but I, and I think that here in the U.S., uh, we are at least positioned, uh, and, and I don't want to be overly, I don't want to romanticize the exactly. situation, I don't want to, but we are arguably positioned to move beyond. Uh, some of these constraints or some of these these fears, I, I, I would hope. When I'm in a room of Middle Eastern American theater artists and we have been blessed with those opportunities uh, and, and you have Turkish theater artists hearing the stories of the Armenian genocide, uh, you have Israeli artists hearing the stories of Palestinian displacement and occupation, um, you have, uh, you know, Kurdish artists being able to speak to um, their oppressors, you know, be they Arab, be they Persian, be they Turkish, in a way that cries for humanity, that cries for a kind of justice. Uh, I, I think some extraordinary work is getting done. Sure. Uh, and, and that is what I really value about the opportunity to, or one of the things that I really value about the opportunity to work on building uh, a Middle Eastern American theater movement. Well, and Silk Road Rising is a place where that can occur. I mean, I think that's the, the wonderful thing about these companies that have risen in the post 9-11 era, or at least come to more prominence, even if they had started prior, is that they created a space for dialogue, a space where you could have a Turkish American play next to an Iranian American play, next to an Arab American play, next to, you name it. I mean, there is such beautiful diversity in that notion. And for instance, the Semitic Commonwealth play reading series that you had kindly invited me to be a part of several years ago here in Chicago, that was a chance for people who are Israeli identified to see Palestinian plays and Palestinians to see Israeli plays, uh, Israeli American Absolutely. plays, and to sit in a room and listen to the narrative of the other and take it in, sometimes comfortably, sometimes uncomfortably, have dialogues afterward. Right. That, kind of, that kind of dialogue work is the thing that we need more of, not less of. And unfortunately, on the sort of governmental level, we're seeing less and less of that. If anything, we're seeing more entrenchment into the silos. But I think that in this context, in the space that places like this afford us, we have the opportunity to see things from a distance and have more space to discuss these things together. And where politicians and diplomats may be failing, uh, we can potentially succeed. We, we hope so. And, and you know, it sometimes sounds cliche. I don't believe that it is cliche. Right. You know, when we when we speak about that power, that sort of cathartic or transformative power uh, of of storytelling, and and once again, we've seen it. You yeah. know, we've we've experienced it. We've 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 had the the good fortune of being part of it. That's right. Uh, and and I think that keeping an eye on on healing, uh, you know, because we we inherit memory, we inherit knowledge, we inherit trauma. Uh, and, and we internalize that. It becomes so much a part of our own experience. That's right. Um, you know, we, we want to create that space for, for, for reimagining. We want to create that space for um, evolving. 
and 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 that is you know I once again that is the privilege and that is um, something very unique. And we have to have the counterbalance to the negative representations in film. Unfortunately, so many sort of yeah. blockbuster films. I'm not talking about indie films. There are a lot of beautiful indie films that are doing this kind of work as well. Right. But boy, there are so many films that are that are actually doing the opposite. You know, just again, stereotyping and, and giving negative portrayals of Middle Easterners. And if we don't have a counterbalance like what happens with these plays and these playwrights, I feel that uh, things really are um, in a very, it's a, it's a terrible state for our audiences to be in, to, to only be taking in the negative and not hearing the positive uh, stories as well. A heartfelt thank you to our guest, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar, for such inspiring conversation, and a big thanks to you, our listening audience, for joining us at In Dialogue. Bravo to Alex Gresh for recording and editing this episode, and to Andy Lynn for production managing our show. Over the next four episodes, we'll be continuing our exploration of the Arab American and Middle Eastern American theater movements with Dr. Michael Malik Najjar. In our next episode, I'll be asking Malik another important question. How do we know if it's a Middle Eastern American play? This podcast is a project of Silk Road Rising. As a nonprofit organization, we rely on the support of those who engage and enjoy our work. We hope that you will support our ongoing efforts and consider making a donation. To do so, please visit our website at www.silkroadrising.org. That's silkroadrising.org. Click on donate and thank you for your support. Until next time, keep helping the world heal.